Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Hey, y'all. Y'all doing good? Feeling good? I think old uh, Dirk's got it right in that song when he said, some days you just breathing. Y'all with me? Anybody feel the tension out there? Some days, you know what, you're just trying to break even. Hello? Some days uh, you just forget all that you've been given. Some days you just, you just get by. And some days you're alive, and some days you're just living. I know what that feels like. How about you? I'm sad to say it's the truth that uh, learning how to balance work and family has not always been easy for me. In fact, it's been so difficult I had two burnouts. I'm kind of slow to learn, so I had the first one, you know, I, I took six weeks off. I thought I hadn't had six weeks off in my whole life, and I took six weeks off. I came back. I didn't learn a thing. I just went back to the same stuff that I was doing before, which meant that I was going to get back to the same place that I was before. Y'all tracking with me? <clears throat> Learning how to balance work and family. It, it's difficult. It's difficult. I read a book recently by Andy Stanley entitled When Work and Family Collide, and it's a great book. It's, it's an awesome book that helped me understand the tension that you feel, the tension and the emotions that I felt for years between work and, and family. And when you do what I do, I mean, literally, I'm not kidding you, sometimes in our line of work, we, we hold heaven and hell in the balance. Hello? What do y'all do? <laughs> that was kind of funny, wasn't it? Obviously, y'all didn't see the humor in that at all. I remember one night, no kidding, I saw a family, they're, they're here. In fact, I was, Karen and I were headed to their house. Where are they at? There you are, somewhere back there. Tim and Cindy, there you go. <clears throat> and uh, we were going to their houses on a Friday night. I was tired. I was just wore out. I mean, I was exhausted. I'm not kidding. I've been working a lot of crazy hours. We do what we do around here, and so it, it demands a lot of time. And, and I was just wore out. I just wanted to go to their house. We're just going to have a meal, just chill out, just going to enjoy, you know, some time being with friends. And on the way, literally on the way, I got a phone call. I got a phone call. There was a guy that was in the ICU unit at Greenville Memorial, and, uh, and he was dying. And he was on a respirator, and they said, you know what? I mean, literally, he could go at any time. He's, he's, he's not a follower of Jesus. He's concerned about, obviously, he's concerned about his eternity. Is there any way that you could come? And i got to be honest. I knew it was the right thing to do, but under my breath, I was saying some ugly words. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I was tired. Hello. I'm just telling you, finding the balance is tough, right? And when you do what we do, well, I went to the hospital. He could not speak, and the only way that we could communicate was literally by squeezing hands. And so he squeezed, he squeezed my hand that he had accepted Christ, and at 2 o'clock that morning, he passed away. Now, what do you do for a living, right? Balancing work and family can be extremely difficult sometimes. 
Stanley says in his book, he says, we face a variety of responsibilities and opportunities. And I remember when I read that the first time, he said opportunities. I thought, I don't think so, Skippy. Most of it's just responsibilities. You know, I don't know if I look at all these as, as opportunities. I look at it a lot as being responsibilities. But he says this, we face a variety of responsibilities and opportunities, work, family, hobbies, clubs. I didn't know what that meant. I used to party back in the day. I thought he meant clubs. Maybe it's Civitan, Ruitan, I don't know. I just club, this is what popped into my head. He said in sports, he says, the list is endless. Each competes for our attention. Each competes for our most valuable resource. What is that? Everybody knows. You don't have to read the book. You already knows. Every one of those things compete for our most valuable resource, which is our time. But to give each the time it demands or deserves, that word hurt me. <clears throat> to give each the time that it demands or deserves would require more than any of us have. Can I hear an amen to that? <clears throat> Don't you find it difficult at times to learn how to balance life? Right? You got a job and then you got your family, but you've got to work to provide for your family. I mean, it's tough, right? It is. <clears throat> in other words, some days you just breathe in. Some days... You're just trying to break even. So Stanley writes, he uses this word, but I thought was an interesting word. He says, so we cheat. We cheat. We give up certain opportunities for the sake of others. Does that make sense? We invest in some relationships <clears throat> while neglecting others. Ouch, that hurts. But isn't it true? Anybody out there, can you feel the tension? If anybody besides me, when you read this, go, oh my gosh, he's nailing me to the wall. We allocate our time the best we can, knowing all the while that somebody's gonna feel cheated. Unfortunately, that somebody is usually someone that we care a great deal about. I can't tell you how reading those words explained exactly how I have felt way, 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 way too many times in my life. And the question for me over the years has been, so who am I going to cheat? Who am I going to cheat? And I wish, I wish I could tell you that I am the most godly man you've ever met. I'm a super giant, spiritually speaking. I'm not. And so most of the time when I would think about who am I going to cheat, you know who I would usually think about? I would think about me. And so I would think about what choice am I going to make that will make life easier for me? And what I do, heaven and hell weighs in the balance. So I could expect my children, I could expect my wife to understand. And I have an incredibly understanding family. I should have been thinking who deserves my time the most. But most of the time, just for me, I would think, what's going to be the easiest on me? Who will understand? I would say that many of us, if not all of us, at some point in time in your life is going to, is going to wrestle with the tension between work and family. And let me just say, I'm in favor of work. <clears throat> so if you're like lazy, you're not going to get anywhere with me. I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, lazy people drive me nuts just want to get that off my chest. In fact, I believe with all of my heart that God has actually wired us. He's created us in his image to work. Genesis 2 verse 2 says this, by the seventh day God had finished 
The what? Wow, that's an interesting word, right? So God was at work in creating the world, the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his what? Work. work is a good thing. God created work. God worked. And so when he created Adam, you know what he created Adam for? You guys are smart. That nine o'clock crowd, they were kind of off. <laughs> you guys, I told them, I said, man, that 11 o'clock crowd is going to be a lot sharper than y'all. Okay, I might not have said it quite that way. So when he created Adam, he created Adam for work. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. To what? Yeah, man, work is awesome. There's nothing, right? There's nothing more pleasing, more satisfying than come to the end of the day, look back over your day, and to know that you accomplished something. Karen used to ask our girls all the time, didn't she, Katie? So were y'all productive today, right? Remember that? So she, she said, were you productive today? In other words, you didn't just skate through your day. What did you do today that was productive, that counted? Work is a good thing, but work can be overdone. In fact, listen to the words of the smartest man and the richest man who ever lived. Maybe he was the richest because he was the smartest. I don't know. Listen to what he had to say in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Here's what he said. He said, so I hated life. What? And so you're thinking, dude, you're like the smartest guy who ever lived. You're the richest man who ever lived. How in the world could you possibly hate life? I will trade with you all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Isn't that what you're thinking? You're thinking, he had it made. How could he possibly hate life? Because the what? This that thing that you were actually created in the image of God to do, to work. But he said, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. And let me just say, it's tough. It's sad, actually, when you grow to hate the very thing that you love, and I've been there. I think about some of the stuff I share with y'all, and I'm, I'm so thankful that y'all are so loving and kind, because I think, you know, I probably, it's not the wisest thing to do, but it's the truth. I remember that time in my life, not too many years ago, when I, I literally started to grow to hate the thing that I loved. And, and I, I love what I do. I love talking to people. This is just not what I do. Speaking on Sunday, is, sometimes it feels like a small part of what I do. It's investing in people's lives. And, and I remember way back in the day, everybody had my number. You know, everybody had my number. They would call me. They would call me at all times of the night and day with problems. And there'd be times when the phone would ring. And I'd have nasty words in my, in my brain. I'm just telling this, the truth. And then I would answer the phone and hear that person on the other end. And I would think, oh. I'm going to hate the thing that I love. I love this next part of this verse. He says, all of it is meaningless chasing after the wind. And then notice what he said. I hated all the things I had told for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. I just think that's funny. 
Here's the wisest man who ever lived, and he's looking back over his life, and he said, you know what? All the stuff that I've worked so hard to obtain, all my toys in the garage, you know what I'm saying? All of the things that I have, I'm just going to die and leave it to somebody else who will not appreciate it because they didn't work for it. Now, that will just tick you off, right? Absolutely, it will. So there's this tension. Work is good. Work actually provides for the people that I love, and yet work can take me away from the people that I love. So it all boils down to somebody's going to get cheated. And it's not that somebody's going to get cheated. For me, the worst part of it is somebody's going to feel cheated. You know what I'm talking about? That person, that spouse, those children, whatever that situation is for you, when you look into somebody's eyes, a, a really good friend who's going through a difficult time, and you know that they just, they're feeling cheated because you don't have enough time at the end of the day to give them everything that they need. So in that sense, the issue is never, am I cheating? The issue is always, who am I cheating? So you know what we do? We, uh, we hold back. We have to. Don't make you a bad person. You have to. You have to hold back. You have to stop. You have to set boundaries. It's the only way to survive. You have to cut corners. I mean, after all, you have a career potential to fulfill, Right? There's that calling on your life if you're so blessed that you don't just go to a job, that you just don't have a vocation, but you have a calling. And it doesn't matter that you work in church for full-time ministry. It's that that thing that you do, you feel called to do that. It's awesome. And so many of you have gone to school. You've had special training. You've prepared hard. You're climbing the corporate ladder of success. That's been your goal in life. but you also have a spouse to love. And if you're not married, then you have people in your life that you have to love. If you're married and you have a spouse and you have children, then it gets really complicated because you don't just have another person and now you've got children. And those, they, they deserve your time, right? It's, it's, it's so complicated. So how in the world do you find the balance for what's important? How do I navigate my tendency? And maybe I'm just telling on myself. But I struggled with it. I struggled with it for years. I struggled with it through two burnouts. Where's the balance? I want us to look at an Old Testament guy that we've looked at several times this year. Old Testament guy named Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den... Daniel. Y'all know Daniel? I want us to look at his life because I think there's so much that he has to teach us. This is the beginning of his story, just in case you don't know the story of Daniel. About 605 BC, the Babylonians invaded Jerusalem. Now, when they invaded Jerusalem, they decided that we could, like, just destroy, annihilate, wipe out this whole nation, but they chose not to. They said there's something worse than killing somebody. And that is to destroy their culture. It's to destroy their identity. So their whole purpose in life has been who they are. And what we want to do is we'll, we'll take that away from them. We're not going to kill them. We're just going to make them a slave state. And that's exactly what they did. And so part of the process was they handpicked the brightest, the best. 
I love this, the best looking. I don't know what that has to do with it, but it's actually in the first uh, of Scripture I'm going to read for you in just a few minutes. So I guess the pretty, even way back in the day, still the prettiest are the ones that succeed. Wah, wah. I mean, that's kind of a downer, isn't it? It's kind of a Debbie Downer if you don't think you're one of those pretty people, huh? Hello? Are y'all out there? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they picked the best of the best, the best looking, the most intelligent. They handpicked the best men and they shipped them off to be immersed in this Babylonian culture. Their, their goal was to turn them into little Babylonians, which they thought would be much, much worse than killing them. We'll take away their identity. And Daniel was among those potential converts. Daniel 1, let's jump into the story. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect. Hello, I told you. Handsome. What can you say? You're thinking, that ain't right. It's life, isn't it? Showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter into the king's service. So Daniel seemed to be, if you just read chapter 1, he seemed to be with everything, okay with everything, except for this whole diet deal. And you would think, now I think he would kind of box some of that, you know? I mean, literally, they changed his name. Y'all listening to me? So it's not just, okay, we're going we're gonna to change how you look. They changed how he looked. They changed how he cut his hair. They changed everything about him, how he spoke. But the one thing that he refused was to partake in the king's diet. And you're thinking, well, that's kind of weird. But traditionally, the Babylonians worshiped their pagan gods through the offerings of, of meat and wine. And the leftovers were eaten by the king and his court as a, as a gesture of their loyalty to their pagan gods. And it was more than that. It wasn't like just loyalty. It was actually attributing their gifts, their talents, their abilities to their God. And Daniel said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm telling you, that's where the buck stops for me. You know what? I'm willing, to, I'm willing to read your literature. I'm willing to talk like you want me to talk. I'm willing to walk like you want me to walk. I'm willing to dress like you want me to dress. You can change my name, but the one thing that you cannot do is you cannot change what's on the inside of me. You cannot alter or change my relationship with my God. And the talents and the gifts and the abilities that I have I'm not going to attribute to your God. That wasn't your God. You have no God. I want, to give, I want to give honor to my God that created me. And this is where the buck is going to stop. So there were two parties from Daniel who wanted something from him, and he absolutely could not satisfy the demands of both. Y'all feel the tension? Kind of like you. How, how, how do I keep my boss happy and my, and my husband happy? How do I keep my boss happy and my wife happy? How do I keep my boss happy and my kids happy? Do you feel the tension that he's going through? He would either give the visible king, King Nebuchadnezzar, what he expected. Ah, that's the wrong word. I should have changed that word. It's not what he expected. It's what he demanded. Do I give this visible king what he demands or do I give the invisible king, my God, what he deserves? It was interesting that when we look at Daniel's situation, I mean, this is the high 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning, right? We know what the answer is, right? Hello, y'all out there? 
We know what the answer is, right? That would be God. God wins every time. This is church. This is 11 o'clock. We know God wins. It's easy. In fact, this is the kind of story that you want to read to your kids. I mean, if you're a good God-fearing family, you, you want to make sure that you walk your kids through this story. And you want to be able to sit your child down, and you want to be able to say, so when you, when you, sweetheart, are faced with the choice to make, it's either serve God or it's to cave in to peer pressure. When it's to serve God or when it's to cave in to whatever situation that you're in, when you're faced with these two choices, it's easy. Always choose God. God is always the right answer. And just so you know, we'll follow his story to the end. Just so you know, Daniel wins, his friends win. Yay, God wins. Right? It's a choice between two things. I tell you what's interesting to me. It's interesting to me that we don't generally associate time with loyalty when it comes to self-evaluation. We make the connection when we uh, evaluate it with other people, but not ourselves. If someone refuses to give you time, don't you feel cheated? Don't you complain about it? Have you ever not looked at your spouse and said, you say you love me, but you're withholding the most valuable resource that you have, which is your time. And if you're on the other end of that, don't you feel frustrated? You're saying, I'm doing what I'm doing for you. It's interesting to me that when we're, when the shoe's on our foot, that we feel cheated. But we, sit, we seem to evaluate our sense of loyalty different. We judge our loyalties on how we feel, right? For example, if I were to ask you how loyal you are to your family, I bet you would start with feelings. You would tell me how you feel about your husband. You would tell me how you feel about your wife. I love my spouse. <clears throat> I love them. I love my kids. In fact, I love my family so much. It's the reason that I'm working 60 hours a week. It's the reason that I leave one job to go straight to another. I love my children so much that I am sacrificing my time so that I can provide them with the things that they need and the things that they want. I mean, how in the world will my child ever survive without that new iPhone? That iPhone, when my child pulls out their iPhone at school, they'll be able to look and say, my mom, my dad loves me more than your mom and your dad. You got the old iPhone 4. Bless your heart, you ain't loved it all. Are you an orphan? It's interesting, isn't it? We talk about our feelings. But my guess is that your family's perspective is different. For them, it boils down to really time. It's how much time you spend with them. And there's the problem. Because your employer expects the very same thing, right? Don't they expect the same thing? They expect your loyalty. Loyalty is determined by how much time you're willing to work. And in a lot of the world today, it's not just 40 hours a week. It's are you, are you really committed to this company? And if you're committed to this company, then you've got to be willing to go the extra mile. You've got to be willing to work overtime, whatever it takes to make us successful. And now there's that tension. 
So what are you going to do? Let's see what Daniel did. This is going to be so easy. You're just going to thank me when this is over with. You're going to come up here. Probably you want to just rush the stage. Y'all probably do the thing, carry me out. I mean, <laughs> Daniel 1 verse 8. I love this. You ready? Here it goes. But Daniel resolved. Ha-ha! What do you think? You're not buying it yet. You don't know what the word resolve means, right? That's it. You're, what? What did he resolve? He decided. He made a decision to not defile himself with the royal food and wine. There you go. It begins with a decision. It just begins with a decision. Write that down. Isn't it awesome? You don't look like you think it's awesome. It's a decision. Before he knew the outcome of his decision, he made a decision. Before he understood exactly how he was going to address the issue, he made a decision. Before he understood how am I going to sit down with my boss and really how am I going to negotiate with him, he made a decision. He resolved, decided, regardless of the outcome, I will not abandon my allegiance to my God. And I bet you're screaming deep down inside, that's not fair. It's not fair. It's, it's, it's not that easy. I'm not Daniel. And listen, my situation, this is a whole lot more than about meat and wine. I wish it was just about meat and wine. But this is not about meat and wine. Listen, this, this, what about my family? This is about my family. The reason, it's about my children. It's not just about my children. It's about their future. Because I'm working the second job. I'm working all the hours overtime that I'm working so I can provide for them so they can go to a college. And if they don't go to college, if they don't get an education, man, they're doomed. They're doomed for the rest of their life. And then their kids will suffer. And their kids' kids will suffer. And there'll be generations, hundreds of years, that people will be devastated and they'll be living in poverty all because, right? We take that way too far, right? Hyperbole, we just blow it up. And you're thinking, what about my financial responsibilities? I mean, what about retirement? I mean, I'm just trying to be responsible. What about our, our financial goals? I mean, we want to be able to retire one day. And so, Pastor, are you saying that, like, if I resolve, if I decide on my family, like, is next week Springwell going to cut me a check? <laughs> Y'all, you smile, it's okay. No, we're not. <laughs> if you were just one, just in case you were wondering. And then what about your mortgage? What about your mortgage? Some of you are thinking, can I, can I like call the bank tomorrow and say, hey, I, I purposed in my heart. I decided Yesterday, pastor preached. I'm telling you, it was convicting, got me. Just want you to know that I have decided I made a decision to put my family first. I'm going to need you to drop my mortgage. Like, I'm going to need you to drop that payment. That would be awesome. And to do that, honestly, you're going to have to drop the interest rate. In fact, let me just be honest. This is going to have to be interest-free. It really just needs to be interest-free because even if you drop the interest, it's not going to get it low enough. And probably, let's just be honest, you're going to have to, I want you to like shorten the length of the note, you know, because I want to get out of debt as quick as I can. So really, why don't you just forgive the whole thing? Because I have decided to put my family first. 
And you're thinking, it just ain't that easy. It's complicated. Or is it? Listen, somebody is going to get cheated. You just have to decide who it's going to be. You're probably thinking, is that all you got? Like, is that it? Is that the answer, you know, for me being a workaholic? Is that the answer for me putting in all the hours of the second job, working all the hours overtime on my first job? Is that your answer? Just make a decision. Well, I am at the end of page five, and I just got one more left. So I'm going to hit you with two more points real quick. And then in a few weeks, I'm going to come back and expound on these because I think that we need them. Man, I wish somebody had shared this with me years ago when I was in the middle of burnout. And somebody would have said, man, I love you too much. And you know what? You're going to have to make a choice. I didn't know how. So here's what you do after you make the hard decision. You have the hard conversation. I can just tell you're so glad you're here. Let me give you the verse. Let me tell you what Daniel did. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And you're probably thinking right now, you got to be kidding me. Is this a joke? So you think I'm going to go to work tomorrow and I'm going to talk to my boss and like he's just going to understand. Oh, you made a decision. That's okay. We're going to cut you back to 30 hours and give you a raise. Because you need to be able to provide for your family, right? We're going to cut your hours to 30 so that you'll have another 10 or 20 hours so that you can spend with them. You're thinking, you've been drinking or smoking something. This ain't going to work. Well, let me show you this other verse. Verse 9. The first two words are really, really important. I underline them in my notes. It says, now God. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion on Daniel. See, what you need is the now God factor in it. You remember Daniel? You remember his story? For those of you that are brand new, you won't, you won't remember this. You don't, maybe not know this, but he prayed three times a day. That was one of the things he was famous for was he prayed every morning, every noon, every day at noon, and then every night he, he prayed. And so he would pray and he asked God, God, you know, I'm making a choice to serve you, to put you first, Okay. And so I've got to go, go have a conversation. It's a hard conversation. I've got to have that with my boss. And what I need you to do is to prepare his heart. And just so you know, like he did. He prepared his boss's heart. Okay, I've got to wrap this up. So you ready for the last point? Last point. You ready for the last point? I communicate for a living. That's what I do. <clears throat> you present a good plan. So this is well thought out, just so you know. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll work on this in a few weeks. You got to present a good plan. That's exactly what Daniel did. So Daniel said to the chief guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give them a test. Y'all tracking with me? He said, okay, listen, I, I know what you're thinking. And li I, listen, I think he had respect for his boss. I think he said, you know what, I, I know that really me making this decision kind of puts you in a difficult position. So here's what I want to do. I just want to give us a test. So here's the test. 
Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. Man, that's awesome. So he didn't, like, give him an ultimatum. He said, listen, let's just give this thing a test. So you, let those guys eat this meat and drink this wine, and then you just give us vegetables and water. And at the end of this time, if we're not better, if we're not better off, if you're not pleased with what you see, then you win. So he agreed to this and tested for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any other young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. He had a plan. He just had a plan. Literally everything that I read, and I went back, I mean, you know, this is not my first rodeo, so I've preached on this kind of stuff before. So I wanted to make sure that I went back. I thought maybe studies have changed because I don't know that people, people aren't working less, it doesn't seem like to me. If anything, people, it seems like they're working more. Technology was supposed to enable us to have more rest and more downtime, right? So we have technology that helps us to get things done much more efficiently, much, much faster, quicker. And so with all that was supposed to work out, but guess what? According to all the studies, we're working more. And stats prove that productivity goes down after a 40, 50-hour work week. Job suffers. Family suffers. So here's what we should do. What if we, as kind, compassionate, God-fearing, God-believing people, what if we looked at our employers and what if we said, let's just offer another plan. And listen, if things don't work out, we'll go back to your way. You're looking at me again like, yep, you've been smoking dope. Yep, looks like to me you've completely gone off the deep end. Basically, Daniel and his friends got a promotion and a raise. You can't make this stuff up. This is awesome, isn't it? Verses 15 through 20. He presented a plan. Can I promise you the same results? No. So you got to pray. But look at me. I promise you this. You will have to decide who's going to get cheated. Because at the end of the day, there are too many things dividing and begging for your attention. Responsibilities. Old Stanley says opportunities. And you're going to have to make a decision. Maybe it would at least be fair if you looked at your spouse and said, I'm choosing work. You're going to get cheated. Shouldn't we at least be honest? We have to decide what's the most important thing. I got something on some of y'all. That's age. And I can tell you that at my age, there's nothing more important to me than my family. Nothing. I value the relationship that I have with my child. She's awesome. She's fun. I love to be with her. We laugh. 
How about the dumbest things? Don't we, Katie? Stupid things. We can't tell people what we laugh about. Emily and I, one time, we, we both laughed so hard, I thought we were both going to puke. And then we said, this is not really even that funny. So when you get older, work, it'll always be there. Your family may not always be. Love them well. If you're a follower of Jesus, and you'd be honest enough to admit and confess that you struggle with work and home, that it is a battle. I want to pray for you. Could you just slip up your hand? Just be honest and say, man, I struggle. It's tough. I know it's tough. If your hand's not up, <laughs> the rest of us think you're a liar. <laughs> That's what we're thinking right now. Really? Get your hand up. Let me tell you what else. You know who, you know who's the first one to get cheated? If you're a follower of Jesus, it's Jesus. He's the first one out of the gate. He said, oh, he'll understand. He'll understand. I mean, he created me for work. <laughs> it's his fault. And he, he'll understand because he knows that I'm just trying to provide for my family. And, and I don't have time to spend with him. I'm telling you, time spent with him makes everything else what it should be. I just can't, I can't tell you that enough. And I'm not talking about a dose of religion, folks. I'm talking about going beyond religion. You hear me? Like yesterday, yesterday for me, it was such a beautiful day. Was it not? Was it not just like the most gorgeous day? And like everything was perfect yesterday. I even prayed, God, if like you could keep it this way, like through September, it'd be awesome. Like the humidity, low humidity. And so I was out washing the car and I had some worship jam going on. And, and at one point I'm standing there in my driveway and I'm, I'm looking up at the most gorgeous blue sky. And I said, God, no artist can do that. And I'm listening to this worship music and I'm crying like a baby and I'm thinking, my neighbors think I've lost it. I know they're looking at me. She finally kicked him out. He's got nowhere to go. She should have done it a long time ago. He's a nut. Look at me. There's nothing that can replace that. Nothing. It's the most beautiful, wonderful thing to know that the God, the creator of this universe will step into your life and speak to you. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time like God spoke to you? People tell me sometimes, God just didn't speak to me. I said, are you taking time to listen? Or are you so busy that you never have time to just listen? And sometimes that's reading scripture. Absolutely, God speaks to me through his word. Sometimes it's through a, through a worship song. Absolutely, God speaks through music. And sometimes it's just me and him just hanging out. That's why I get up at 4.30 every morning. I have to. I have things to do, places to be, people to talk to. I, I'm a busy man. I know that. But there's nothing more important to me than just the time I spend with him. Are you too busy for him? Lord, there are way too many of us, God, that crowd you out. Lord, of all the things that get cheated, you're the first one to get cheated. And yet, God, you're the first place that we run to, God, when we feel cheated. 
when we have needs, when we can't pay the bills, Lord, when we expect you to show up and work miracles, you're the first place we run. And then, God, we have the audacity to get angry at you because you're not doing things the way we think you should when we completely violate your principles. We're so messed up. And the crazy thing, God, is through all of that, you still love us. I can't quite wrap my brain around that, but I know the truth of your word tells me that you do. Lord, for those of us that just struggle, Lord, help us to make a wise choice of who gets cheated. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you realize this morning that you're struggling as well. And maybe, just maybe, somehow God spoke to you this morning as only God can. And you've realized that what you've missed in your life is the now God factor. You're going through life all on your own. When you look around at those of us that are followers of Jesus, we're no better than you. We may not be as good as you. You may have your life together better than we do, but we have one thing that you don't have. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the awesome presence of God to help us to to navigate the difficulties of life and the hard decisions that we have to make. So if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you'd say, man, I need that in my life. Then right there in your seat, quietly, you can just pray a prayer or something like this. You're going to say, God, I'm a sinner. I confess that I'm a sinner. And then what I need is forgiveness. So I'm asking for your forgiveness. I thank you that on the cross, you died and shed your blood to pay the penalty for my sin. And I know you're alive. I know you're alive because I can feel your presence right now. So I'm asking for your forgiveness. And to the best of my ability, I'm surrendering my life to you. Lord, um, thank you that you loved us enough to put incredible stories in the Bible that we can relate to. that you give us principles that we can live by. And that you walk with us, that we're never alone, but you walk with us. Father, for those of us that are struggling, we just need you. We cannot do this without you. We need the now God factor in our lives. God said that our families don't get cheated. For everything that you do, we'll thank you. It's in your sweet, sweet name that we pray. Amen.